Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Pardon Will Podcast. I'm your host, film critic David Lilly. Um, this week, I'm going to be doing a pop-out review, as you know in the title. Um, we're going to be covering Loki Season 2, which I'm super, uh, super excited about. I'm going to tell you about all the things I loved about uh, that season, along with the season before and how it all ties in. Um, and cover all the stuff that you know I normally cover. I don't do the crazy breakdowns um, and then all the Easter eggs. I mean, I'll talk about those sometimes, but most of the time I focus on um, the storytelling of it and the artistic renderings of stuff. You know, all the fancy schmancy, boring stuff. That's the thing I like to talk about um, and why I think certain things are successful and certain things aren't. And we're going to get into that today as well um, and bring up the Marvels and Echo that's coming out. And I'm going to tell you what my thoughts are for the MCU going forward. But before I do, uh, if you noticed, I'm wearing this pretty awesome t-shirt. It's Throg. Um, it's my own design. I made it. And if you like this shirt and you're like, man, I really wish I had one of those, you can go to pardonwillmerch.com. And there you'll see the, the design and you can check it out and choose colors and different sizes and order one of your own. And it helps support the podcast. And because I appreciate you watching this and I want you to have sweet merch like I'm wearing, um, use promo code podcast, get 15% off. Um, that's like 95% of my profits. So I'm just, that's, that's to, you know, I, I love you guys not even trying to make money off y'all. Just want you to have pretty awesome merch. You can also like, and subscribe this video. And if you want put a uh, type of comment, maybe I'll read it on, you know, if it's a cool comment, like hi mom, and this podcast sucks, I'll read that on air, uh, uh, on the next episode and stuff like that. So anyway, let's get into it. Uh, I'm hoping this is going to be somewhat of an short episode i don't i don't think i'm gonna go super long in any crazy rants um but you know that's probably a lie i'm probably gonna rant uh quite a bit but let's start off with the things that i loved the most about this actually i'm just gonna be flat out honest i love the whole thing the whole thing was great i don't even i don't think i have much of a complaint at all and normally i have at least one complaint but this series uh, the season one and season two really delivered um, all the stuff that I really appreciate about the Marvel universe and the storytelling aspect and especially the artistic stuff. So I said this before, and I think when I reviewed Loki this first season and when I did a recap uh, um, coming up, when I started off with uh, episode one of season two, I mentioned this, but the music, the music in this, this whole series is great. And especially the theme, and I'm going to bring this up later when I talk about the ending. The theme is still one of my favorite themes of all time. Um, mostly because it's notable. Now, if, if you go back and watch like all the series that have come out, you know, before this, even like not even the MCU, like Star Wars, the Ahsoka, the, the themes aren't noticeable at all. Like when they run the credits and, you know, here's Ahsoka, none of that stuff really, you know, hangs out with you except for maybe the mandalorian theme that one uh, and that'll come up again too and that theme was pretty awesome and these are themes like if you heard a mountain like you're in the mall and you heard this music you'd be like oh my god that's loki but a lot of the other shows a lot of the other mcus each character superhero has like a superhero theme they're not super noticeable but this loki one um it's it is and i think it's going to play a big part later on but the music and then the score, I mean, bringing in the very last episode. Oh, spoiler alerts, by the way. If you're watching this and you're like, oh, if he doesn't spoil it, uh-oh, I'm totally going to spoil this stuff. Matter of fact, I'm going to talk a lot about the ending. So if you haven't seen Loki, the last episode probably should not be listening to me right now. Um, so the, uh, where was I? Uh, the The music. Was I talking about the music? Oh, yeah. Um, Beethoven's Fifth was brought in in this last episode, and I thought that was pretty cool. Um, kind of kind of like a, 
uh, kind of a, I almost said a throwaway, but no, I just think, I think the soundtrack is really awesome. I think I'm trying to remember what episode it was where Sylvie's in the record shop and, uh, the way they did the music was just, was pretty awesome, but it, it, I want to just mention that, but really the theme, the theme I think is the most important. All right. Uh, as far as artistic rendering, like the visuals, this one, I try to think about Loki versus all the other MCU, especially when you get into like planets and stuff like that. Um, and the one I really picked up on was Ant-Man because when I reviewed Ant-Man and Quantumania, um, I kind of, uh, threw it under the bus a little bit about, it uh, kind of oversaturating too many visuals. It was kind of clustered. You didn't really, yeah, it was fun, but there wasn't anything super important about it. Matter of fact, it got overwhelming to the point where you're like, not impressed. Um, I think Loki did it great. And I don't know if that's just because it's juxtaposed with that weird seventies bureaucracy office building feel, which I'm sure it is. But even when they went to other places like planets in season one, or even when they were on earth um, in this season, at the McDonald's and stuff like that. You can tell they put a lot of attention into detail. Probably wasn't cheap. Um, and while it would have been like, did you really have to go to a McDonald's and spend all that money and trying to get this 70s feel? I think it was worth it. Even the 1800s when they went to visit Victor Timely, I thought that these were fun places. They felt fun. They felt um, serious fun. Uh, not like, they just felt like a good time piece. Like, um, like you actually were there. They they didn't cheapen it out, especially the the uh, World's Fair when they were in Chicago and just seeing like this the the fair whole concept and people running. Around. I love I love that. I thought they did um they did a great job with that, um, especially if you're gonna have a whole series about time travel and going to different places. That's one of the things you really can't mess up. And I think they they did a great job with that. Uh, one of the things that I think the MCU does focus on a lot is uh is CGIing characters because you have aliens and you have all these elaborate costumes and Loki didn't have to do that a lot. And so it, it stuck with kind of a, a, a dry feel to the costumes and there's no aliens for the most part. And other than like miss minutes, there's really nothing outside of just the scenery that they can focus on. And, uh, and that might actually helped with making these things stand out like the McDonald's or, or, you know, the 1800s, you know, world's fair, or even the very last episode um, or even in the last episode in season one, where you're at the end of time and that the timelines and stuff, they really got the chance to to hone in on that. But there was a few things that I really enjoyed. Um, other than like the vines at the end where Loki's grabbing him or him walking down the platform and like his, his jacket, like dis like being blown off and disintegrating and his new costume coming in. Um, that was amazing. I love that stuff, but you can really pay attention to those things when there's, when it's, when it's honed in on um there's not a lot going on and so this is the thing that you're focused on and i thought that was uh that was pretty rad and there's one other part that i thought was interesting is uh at the end the very last episode of season two where mobius and sylvia are talking and they're right outside mobius's house on earth um it's it's weird that they did this shot of mobius through a light glare like it seems like you're looking at the sun with him in front of it um in the colors green and gold i get that but it was just a, just a weird, interesting take. Um, kind of felt like like a sunsetting feel, and the whole series is a sunsetting feel. Um, and in that it's, I think, see, this is what I'm talking about when it's artistically done to portray a feeling, um, because the whole series. And my wife pointed this out. She was like, "I like the ending, but it didn't seem like it wasn't like ex it, it was 
wasn't as exciting as you feel like an ending would be. Um, it kind of felt like a sunset where it was pretty, but it was also ending. And I think that was on purpose to kind of close this chapter of a book of the whole book. Cause even I think the directors or the writers were talking about season one, season two were just two uh, volumes in one single book. So they're really just kind of shutting the door on this entire storyline. Um, and I think they did a great job of that. Cause even the last, this last episode, of the season finale, uh, it kind of landed the plane softly um, and somberly. And uh, and that visual feel to it, it didn't really climax. It kind of hit the top um, and then glided down into into kind of a just a good bookend uh, is what I'm, I think I'm trying to say. But enough about about that. Let's get into the storytelling aspect of, of the episode. Anyway, so either way, I like the music. I like the art. I think they're, I think these are probably one of the better MCUs that have done the, the visual rendering and, and how to take the visuals and make you feel what's going on. Oh, one other thing that I think Loki does better than any of the other movies is, uh, even when there's no dialogue, the facial expressions, you can tell that they paid a lot of attention to like, especially the like zooming in on Loki's face in certain aspects when he's about to walk down the platform or when, um, when Victor timely like disappears and you can, and whenever the world's ending at the episode five, um, him like tearing up, you can kind of see that they did a really good job. And I know that's most likely the actors and, and what they're capable of, but, um, spending a lot more time on, on facial expressions than just straight dialogue. Uh, I think they did a great job with that, which can't be too easy to do. But um, storytelling, one of the things I liked about this series, uh, the season one, season two, and I don't know, I mean, sometimes they do this, but it was a bit of a heady uh, theme, the time travel theme, um, kind of making mistakes and how to correct mistakes and how does time work. And I think it was kind of heady, especially when we get into time travel and like, how does this thing, if you go back in time and and time slipping outside of time, these things can be a little confusing. And I think they leaned into that. Uh, and I think if you, if you really hone into that, that heady thing being like, I, I don't understand because even at the end of the episode, it was a bit confused. Like what is actually happening here? And from C or episode one to like season one was that there was some mystery to it, but you kind of got the idea, even at the very end where he's, you know, he who remains was explaining that, you know, he created the TVA to keep all the other Kang variants, you know, pruning those timelines so they don't come through. That was all pretty solid. Like, I, I don't think that was difficult to understand. Um, but this one starting off, you know, episode one was kind of confusing. And throughout the thing was the whole season uh, was confusing because you're not really sure exactly where they're going. And I think the characters went along that ride with you. I mean, you can kind of tell that Loki didn't really know exactly what was happening. He was just trying to figure out it in real time with you so you're along for the ride uh, i think where most movies when they get confusing i think the problem they run into is they're not confused the directors aren't confused they just didn't realize that you would be as a viewer um and so it's it's one of those well of course why wouldn't they assume that you know what we're trying to do here and a lot a lot of times i think there's a disconnect but in loki i don't think they did that i think they left you wondering exactly what's going on through each episode along with the characters. <clears throat> so that was, um, that was pretty cool. I, I did like, this is why I think the Loki season, because it's such a heady concept, a philosophical concept, it, almost similar to the quantum realm in Ant-Man, like 
so that that that's a bit of a heady concept as well and i think they did it well with with ant-man explaining exactly like going smaller and smaller into atoms and there being universes inside the universe that we live in um i think they did a good job with that i think loki does a good job with with explaining time but also leaving a mystery to it um how to be outside of time and still time slip um how to travel back and forth outside of time while having its own timeline is a it's a bit of a catch-22 conundrum and uh and i think they left the mystery there to kind of to kind of lead you along um and and you have to just uh sustain your disbelief for a little bit to kind of follow with it <clears throat> but the storytelling of it outside the headiness of time travel and all that the storytelling i thought was pretty awesome and there's a few arcs that i want to talk about um oh let's bring up i i think having the first episode in season one being glorious purpose and the last episode being titled glorious purpose and then the episode one of season two called Ouroboros, which is the snake eating its own tail. I thought that was a pretty cool take of the circular motion because the whole episode is about like it's how time just circulates back and forth and over and over again. Um that was pretty rad. And you're gonna and the, the story arcs are a bit of the same thing too. That's why I want to mention that before I get into um story arcs. Um the first story arc, which I thought was pretty pretty neat because if you think about it, this Loki and Loki season has its own story arc while the loki in the regular mcu reality has his own story arc um and they're they're kind of different but they end up in the same spot and so the first you know we're actually following a story arc of a character we've already seen before but this one goes in way more depth to, to kind of discover who loki is was and the normal mcu where you know you have the battle in new york and then you have you know all the thor movies and thor ragnarok and and then all the way to where loki um gets killed by thanos at the end and you know he's a bit of a hero or an anti-hero at that point but he chooses the right thing um that was a pretty cool story arc but now with this loki we get to see uh, a more in-depth version of it and i think it builds that character to be a little bit more um complicated and a little bit more powerful and so if in this where i'm going the story arc so this is the first one that i that i really thought was neat so in the battle of new york that the the first avengers movie where Loki appears on the scene, right? And he's he's in Germany and he's standing above the people and he's basically saying that I'm going to rule over Earth, all the masses of the Earth, because free will is, is a burden on you and I'm going to take up that burden and I'm going to subjugate you because all of you want to be controlled. That was this big thing. Like, I'm here to be your king to control you because, you know, that making choices, that's a bad, that's a, that's a hard life to live. So I'm going to make the choices for you and you're going to be my subjects. So eradicating free will um as, as he sits on the throne over earth and then throughout this entire story arc at the very end um he sits on a throne but he's protecting free will in a juxtaposition so instead of the whole thing at the beginning being like i want to subjugate and control people the whole last season of loki he's trying to figure out a way to to reinstate free will of all these multiple branches instead of the way like the he who remains was like nope all this other branches spawning off these people's lives like sylvie and mobius and all these variants gotta nip that because there's one timeline and it has to go this way um the whole point of which would have been a very big loki thing like i need to control this i need to make sure um free will stays out of this um and all these other branches the whole theme of loki was was trying to keep free will existing um, and still have have the you know all the timelines exist without them exploding in on each other, but also to keep free will uh, 
upheld. And so I thought that was a pretty cool arc. Um, so now he sits on a throne, not like the one he wanted to. Um, he sits on a throne protecting free will and multiple, you know, all the branches and his, his friends. <clears throat> so that was a pretty cool arc. Um, one of the, the big story themes of this character, Loki, and you saw this, um, I think, in episode one of season one, where Loki uh, gets pulled in to sit down with Mo Mobius. And uh, they're going over Loki's life that he hasn't lived yet. So he's, you know, going through and watching it. Um, and uh, basically in that whole storytelling, it's, you know, Moby shows him all the Avengers. It's basically because he's talking about his glorious purpose. And and Moby's like, no, your your purpose is to lose and, and to unite all the heroes. Like your purpose is to be the footstool for all the other people's purpose. And uh, at that time, like Loki's like, I mean, it's devastating to him. He thinks he's going to, you know, rule Earth, and he, his his big glorious purpose is up here to be the king of Asgard, and then, you know, that doesn't work. So, king of Earth, and and eventually that doesn't work. And then I think in that first season, you start to wonder if he's trying to become the king of the TVA, um, because you have to remember he's a villain in that in the beginning of season one. Um, but his whole glorious purpose was to be a footnote for everyone else's. Uh, glorious purpose and that that's devastating to him um but by the end of season two uh you find out like even when he's talking to sylvie at the bar she's like what do you want and he's like i want to restore the tva and she's like no that's not what do you want and he was like i just want to save my friends um which is totally different than you know villain loki at the beginning where he's trying to rule over everyone and then to see it at the very end, uh, all the way down, when he becomes the you know the the king of the timeline, basically. His whole pr glorious purpose is basically to keep everyone else's purpose going. And I was like, it's it's the same purpose as it was in the beginning, where he's the footstool or the footnote to everyone else's glory, all their glorious purposes. Now he's still that. He's still the footstool. He's holding together everyone else's glorious purpose and he's not letting the timeline extinguish all these branches mobius gets to go back home and and you know and live as a father with for his kids that's mobius's glorious purpose and all these other people who you know their existence was going to ruin the timelines and let kings come through so they they can't have their purpose loki is there to protect it so he's still the footnote for everyone else but he's voluntary he does it because not out of spite not out of like bad luck or or because uh, you know, like be, because he's he is a footstool of it, but he voluntarily sacrifices his own perp, like what he wants, to make sure everybody else has a purpose in that. <clears throat> and you can spend some time on that purpose thing. I think in my last episode, where I was talking to Michael um, about purpose and you know how it's a difficult thing in our culture where there's a lot of listless people and they don't feel like there's a purpose in, in life for them and that causes them to do horrific things and or waste away and i think purpose is a big a big thing for people uh in our culture um because of you know things like the internet you know like it's to to have a purpose to like to be just ordinary and and um and just be like a normal person doesn't feel glorious anymore um when the truth is like even in lord of the rings where gandalf talks about you know it's it's the the little people doing ordinary things that keeps the evil at bay um i think people forget about that and i think we always well, everybody wants to be famous and everybody wants to be rich and everyone wants to rule you know everybody wants to get to the top 
um, I think people forget about the real importance of what purpose is. Um, and so they start to look for their glorious purpose. Um, but really, I mean, even in the Loki series, it, it touches down into that, that, that glorious purpose. It's not, it's not glorious. It's a burden. Um, and sometimes people's purposes are, are, they are a burden, but they're a glorious one because you're, you know, if you're a parent, you're, you're, your whole thing is to protect and raise children so that they can live on for their glorious purpose, probably to do the same, to continue society, everything that we do in our careers and our works, like they may not be, you might not be the most famous person, but what you do, there's a purpose to that, to, to continue to build on, um, and to, to leave a legacy for the, you know, the next generations or whatever that is, those small purposes, um, is pretty much shown in this, this Loki series where his glorious purpose is, is to, is to hold up everyone else's purpose. Um, and that is where it feels like a burden, which it sure it is. It's pretty glorious in the same, same aspect. So that's another thing about this, this storytelling of his arc might be one of the best story arcs in the MCU. Um, because of how in-depth and relatable that is. And I'm going to get into that in a little bit. Um, but I want to talk about one more story arc that I thought was pretty crazy because all of these seem to be where he started. He ends up at the end. And here's one big one. So the first season, I think I talked about this in a previous review. It seemed like the thing that Loki was fighting off was being alone. That's why Sylvie came in and, you know, he builds this relationship with it. Just it's a bit of a narcissistic concept where it's another variant of him. Um, but you can tell he doesn't want he, he keeps like he, Mobius puts him in that, that weird time loop where he keeps going through the same event where, you know, what's her face shows up and slaps him and she basically tells him you're going to be alone forever. You can tell like, this is a problem for him. Like this is horrific. And to be honest, being alone is out of all the, like suffering sucks and burdens suck and suffering. Sucks. That's a weird understatement. Um, I've said this before, I think on a podcast um, and it's because I, read a few books about you know monastic belief and suffering and thomas merton talks about suffering and he says uh to just suffering for a meaningless cause is is pretty bad and he goes but suffering doesn't always have to be bad it can be made holy but it has to be made holy for a, a, a greater meaning like you can't just just to suffer even just to suffer for pity's sake um is 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 a weird temptation that people fall into because suffering's gonna happen we're all gonna deal with things he goes but to deal with things with a meaning behind it um makes that suffering worthwhile and makes it actually something good instead of it being just a burden alone and uh and this this is a weird time but in in the loki series like he he's he's is the foot he's suffering he keeps even the, the selfie brings up like or loki's born to lose and they might have been uh, or at least a footstool for everyone else's. But the worst part of that losing is Loki seemed to be born to be alone. And then when they go into the end of the time where all the variants of Lokis are, none of them can really, I mean, they can't even team up because they're all so out for their own thing. All the variants, well, you know, what Goliath is going through eating stuff. They're all, all these variants are in this end of time, you know, planet. And they're fighting with each other because they can't, they can't come together. And I thought that was a great thing. Loki's are destined to be alone because they can't seem to to connect. But this variant of Loki does. He makes friends, right? And so, so that's his big purpose. His mission is to make sure is to be with his friends and his friends survive. And then at the very end, he sacrifices that to be alone. Like, so he ends up exactly where he starts, but in a in a meaningful way. And so 
I love this series because it takes all these different ideas of burden and purpose and, and shows it like he's the same guys. His purpose was the same in the beginning, but it's different now because it's meaningful and he sees that and it, and it makes his world complete. So I thought as far as life lessons with this Loki series, um, bad things are going to happen and suffering happens and, and life is difficult, but it doesn't have to be difficult. Uh, it doesn't have to be meaningless with that difficulty because we always try to eradicate suffering like one of the big things with being a person is trying to to mitigate how difficult the world can be and people are always trying to do that and that's a big you know it's a big avenue to try to seek after i mean everybody does this we're trying to avoid trying to avoid problems and trying to avoid living life making life worse or at least dealing with that but really what we should be avoiding is because that's going to happen. Like bad things are going to happen. We should just make sure whatever we do has meaning in it. And it's a meaning that we can find and hold on to. Um, that's that Thomas Merton thing. That's suffering, suffering, especially suffering alone. I can go into a whole, a whole Jesus analogy and bring theology into it. <coughs> Maybe I'll do that in another episode. But I just want to talk about that. Um, and I want to talk about where the MCU is going to go in from there. So anyway. Just so if you haven't figured out yet, Loki might be one of my favorite MCU series, one of my favorite series out of all television um, because of how in-depth and how um, how crazy good that storyline is um, of, of this, this character arc. It's one that you don't see very often, <coughs> or at least I haven't paid attention to, and this one does a great job with it. <coughs> but um, so I, I'm going to be honest, as far as, MCU goes, Loki's going to be pretty high up on that list. Now, I have nostalgic ones like, you know, Iron Man 1 and Doctor Strange and Thor Ragnarok. These are ones that I enjoy. I think the storylines are great. But Loki, to go into that depth of, of storyline and story arc and to pull it off the way they did, it moves Loki the whole season, the whole series, um, pretty high on my, my favorite MCU list. Um, and so I, I don't know what to do with that because now that they've done Loki... Anything they do after it, it's going to be difficult to match up. Speaking of which, they end Loki, and then the Marvels came out this weekend. Now, all 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 my uh, premonitions aside, I I wasn't sure if I was even going to go see the Marvels in theater for a few reasons. Um, just not super appealing, and uh, I'm going to tell you why. I wasn't really super, uh, uh, look, we all know the internet exists. And if you go on the internet and be like, Hey, Marvel's is coming out. If you read the comments, there's a lot of majority of people being like, I don't want to go see this. Like this doesn't look any good. Um, and now most people are just uh, it's a bunch of, you know, white male misogynists out there being like, you ruined my comic books. Sure. I mean, maybe that may, I'm guaranteed. There's probably some of those out there. Um, but I can tell you exactly the reasons why some of these series, like I watched, uh, Miss Marvel, um, I obviously I, I liked WandaVision. Um, I liked all these other shows for very specific reasons because I like character building. I like I like the idea of, of these dynamic characters. Uh, I didn't like Captain America. I went and saw Captain America in theaters and I didn't like it coming out. Uh, I like some things about it. Um, I didn't really bump up against with the Brie Larson. Like a lot of people were like, oh, she's a terrible actor. I didn't really bump up against, against that. I feel bad because I think they wrote her character wrong. Um, they could have done a lot better with her, but they made her uh, smug and they, they made her unlikable. Uh, she's arrogant right off the bat. Um, 
but one of the, the thing I really don't like about Captain Marvel is the same reason I don't like Superman. Um, I hate this overarching, ultra powerful, nebulous idea of what what are her powers? Just she just she's powerful. She can you know fly through spaceships and blow up. She's just pure energy. What is this? Like what is? I hate this concept. Um, at least with like Tony Stark, like, well, he's smart. He knows how to work machines. And, you know, he struggles with being a, you know, megalomaniac. And Captain, you know, Captain America, like he's he's a wimp, but then he gets superpowers. Like, you know what these people's superpower, superpowers are. Black Panther, you know what his superpower Black Widow, you know what her superpower is. You know, not only is she like a crazy ninja and spy, she's extremely smart and knows how to manipulate and work around people. These are like definable superpowers. Captain Marvel? I'm not really sure what what is it. She got hit with the time. Or she got hit with an Infinity Stone. Now she's just power in general. I think they screwed that up. I mean, maybe that's a comic book thing. Sure, I'm not super in. I, like I like comic books. I didn't read them all. You guys know that. I'm not like this is you know issue whatever. I didn't like, and I don't like Superman for that reason. Like his powers, that doesn't tell a story. I mean, Superman kind of does, but I hate his powers. Um, and I specifically hate Captain Marvel's powers because I think they did the girl wrong by just not explaining what they are. And then they bring in um, Photon, uh, Monica Rambeau, in WandaVision. Not really sure what that is either. What are her powers? And then even in the trailer, she can't fly. And Samuel L. Jackson's like, use black girl magic. And then she flies. Like, I haven't seen the movie, by the way. I haven't seen Marvel's. I'm going to watch it when it comes on Disney+. Plus. I'm probably not going to go to the theaters, and I'll tell you the reason why for that too. Um, but what what are her powers? And then you get to like Miss Mar maybe Miss Marvel, the the teenage girl. You kind of understand she can manipulate light. I think I don't even know if she knows what her powers are. <clears throat> so let's take the three people. We don't understand them at all. I mean, even like let's be honest, Loki. I think I know his part. It's, he's a uh, master of illusion, right? But he can make things appear and disappear in reality i think that's his powers but there were some points in time where like he can use telekinesis and hold up buildings that are falling that i bumped up against that because i was like i don't understand when did this power happen um sometimes the loki thing throws me off but at least i can kind of pinpoint it these others i don't know and i think when you build characters who are like well they're just powerful deal with it and like no that's not good enough for me like at least make me make them relatable in some form or fashion and that gets to the idea why I'm probably not going to go see this in theaters. Because there's a lot of Marvel movies I just wait for Disney Plus to come out on. This one's going to be one. Um, because I don't relate. And and when I talked to Jeff, the guy on, I had a few episodes back, and he was like, well, his explanation was, they're not made for you. And fair. Like, I understand. Like, I watched the Miss Marvel series on Disney Plus. I easily tell that wasn't made for me. I mean it's made for teenagers. I get it. No, I enjoyed it. It wasn't so, it was pretty cool storytelling, but it wasn't made for me. I wasn't going to sit down and do a review and be like, you know, why aren't there more, whatever I want, you know, uh, give me, give me Captain America, whatever. It wasn't made for me. And this movie, this, this, the Marvels, you could tell it, it wasn't made for me. Um, it, it's, I mean, the defeating the patriarchy aside, which we saw with the whole, Captain Marvel thing in the beginning, I thought was a terrible storyline, not because I am a part of the Patreon, because it's just, it's not relatable. It's just not relatable. And they, they wrote the character terrible. You could tell that they were just pandering. And that's what the, the whole Marvel's thing feels like with the trailer. And this is why shame, 
Shame. Shame on shame on them for for cheap shotting the trailers. <clears throat> before this movie came out, like two days before they dropped a trailer for the Marvels. And the whole intro was Captain America and Iron Man. And they were trying to pull that nostalgia. Like, remember your characters you like? This is gonna be like like that's a cheap shot. If you would have left that out, I would have been more likely to go and see it. But when you start pandering like that, I'm not a fan. I'm not a fan of the pan. I'm not an idiot. Like, I know you think all your viewers are dumb, or at least maybe you can scoop up the dumb ones by being like, maybe there's an Iron Man cameo. No, I'm not an idiot. That was a cheap shot. And I would have been more likely to go see this in theaters. How do you how do you not start pulling straws and being like, what what do our fans love? Well, they obviously don't like this weird feminist stuff. Throw Captain America in there and, and, and Iron Man, you know, in a flashback. Maybe that'll maybe that'll get them to go see our crappy movie. Like, I don't... I, and, and to be honest, I've, I've watched some of the reviews um, of it, and people are like, actually, it was better than I thought it was going to be. That was more intriguing. i being like, oh, see, I would have went and watched it, because at least there might be some cool stuff in it. But the trailers ruined it, man. Like, let's talk about a few things in the trailers that I didn't like. The, the flashback scene, the Iron Man, Captain America. Like, you didn't need that. That was a weird pandering thing. That just seems weird. The villain in it just seems like a villain we've already had just in female form. I mean, she's carrying the same hammer, you know. And then it's like, we're going to open up worlds and then armies are going to fly. I've seen this before. Like, are you just regurgitating things that have happened in 2012 Army in New York? Well, what is this? Like, this doesn't even seem... I don't. I don't even understand why I would... Are we just re-watching old... Are you just re-watching old movies? That's one. And then if you... This is one I saw on a lot. Was the Black Girl Magic comment that Samuel L. Jackson... Okay, sure. Uh, it's a it's a pandering. It's pandering for uh, a demographic that I'm not. Which is cool. Like, okay. But man, why would you put that... Like, I understand putting that in the movie. Hurrah. Why would you put that in the trailer? Like... Are you trying to keep people who are like, people? I, this movie might not be made for me, but maybe I'll like it. Are you just trying to kick them out of the theater and be like, no, no, we want to make sure to turn off the, a ton of our audience by by pandering to one particular sect? Maybe I'm biased in this because I'm a, a white male or whatever, but I like Monica Rambeau. I think out of all three of the Marvels, she's the coolest one. The Marvels. I, I like her way better. And WandaVision, I thought her character was great. I would watch a Monica Rambeau standalone. They didn't even give her that. They're like, let's just throw her in with all this other girl power, you know, garbage. And, and hopefully she doesn't get drowned out. You could have done... Her storyline was far better than any of the others. Um, I would have watched a standalone with that. But anyway, the whole pandering thing, they lost me. And maybe I judge these things too harshly when it comes to things that I'm like, well, it's not Spider-Man or it's not Batman or whatever. Sure, I'm allowed to. Um, and maybe I'm missing out. Maybe I should have went and saw it in theaters. Um, maybe I'm missing out on that thing. But that pandering thing. Let's talk about one other pandering thing that didn't work. Um, you could have said, truthfully, you could have said Black Panther was a pandering to the black community. Maybe. But the storyline's so damn good that I went and saw it. Uh, and I loved it. And I connected with it. And this is what I'm talking about with the MCU. When you write good stories like Loki, see the cool thing about Loki is, is sure it's it's a, a male misogynist, you know, feat for power, but it, it wasn't. It was an idea about purpose, and everyone deals with that. Everyone struggles with the idea of purpose. It's a universal storyline 
that we all go through. And and you didn't have to pander to one. You have Sylvie there as a giant main character, and she's powerful, she's clever, and she's likable. This is a this is how you do storytelling. You don't have to just veer into one alley and be like, this is the lane we're in, fight the patriarchy. You're alienating so many people because it's not a relatable storyline to a large audience. If you stuck with the things that connect to the soul and not just to superficial things, I mean, sure, no, maybe the superficial, I'm wrong. Maybe people are like, I really just needed, um, you know, this thing to speak to me. You know, I'm wherever I am, I'm, you know, a young, like Miss Marvel, like I'm a young teenager girl in, in New York or New Jersey or whatever. And this show really spoke to me awesome and it did its job um loki <coughs> i don't know who i don't know who's out there right now being like I, i'm i'm a you know an asgardian god and sure i'm getting a hard break i wonder how i wonder if I, they're gonna make a movie about something i can relate to no it was it was a story about being misguided not having a purpose trying to find your way in the world and it not being what you think it is like these things are universally relatable and I think that's where good storytelling comes. And it's not so much of a pandering issue. You're not pandering to one particular part of the community or the MCU community or one particular pandering part of the audience. Um, you're speaking to the soul of humanity, um, things that a lot of people deal with. So that's my idea. Um, that's why, I, I mean, I might go see Marvels in the theater. I'm going to wait a little bit. We'll see. Um, I was just going to wait for it to come on Disney Plus because it just didn't seem like it was something up my alley. Like I wasn't like all super excited. Uh, and the fact that they didn't even put a, here's the thing, I would have went and watched it had, had I known, like, you know, not known what the post-credit scene is. But even Marvel's been messing the post-credit scenes up. Do you guys remember Shang-Chi's post-credit scene? Where, uh, I don't know, I don't know if you haven't seen Shang-Chi, but at the very end, um, they're analyzing the bracelets, right? And they're like, it's a signal coming from somewhere else. This was like years ago, right? We haven't heard anything from that since. Like, we haven't, they're not tying anything together. Even the multiverse, when we're like, now we got Spider-Man and Tobey Maguire's in it. We're going to get the multiverse. Didn't really tie into Doctor Strange. And he went to the multiverse. That didn't really make tie in. And all of a sudden, we're starting to tie in Loki with Ant-Man and Quantumania, finally. But then they come out with the post credit scene where it's like more multiverse. It just doesn't. I started to not even care about the post-credit scenes because they weren't leading. It's it's supposed to be like a cliffhanger for the next at least few things, which it probably is. But for the longest time, they kept putting these post-credit scenes out that mean nothing for the next eight years. And then maybe we're like, oh, yeah, the post-credit scene in uh, Shang-Chi with the bracelets. Oh, okay, that makes sense a decade later. Um, So that's just another writing thing. I think they could have done better with that. So I'll probably see Marvels. I'm not going to review it. You guys already know my uh, white male misogynist take, um, patriarchal take on um, on how that stuff goes. Um, but the other one coming out in January, Echo. I'm probably going to. I'm definitely going to review that. Um, and that's just because I loved Hawkeye. I loved Daredevil. Um, the Netflix series. This thing looks like it came from the Netflix series. I think it's rated MA. This is going to be so. If they were pandering to anybody, they pandered to me, because um, Echo looks awesome. I love it. And there was just like this quick in the trailer. If you haven't seen, go watch it. There's this quick shot of Daredevil. That was that was just icing on the top. Like I was, I'm just super stoked. I love, I love the Daredevil concept. Like this whole part of the story over here with like New York and Kingpin. 
I'm here for it all the way. I thought Hawkeye was one of the better MCU series that they came out with. Hawkeye was chef's kiss. And I know it didn't even get a lot of recognition because it's kind of a Christmas story. I'm going to go back and rewatch it now that Christmas is around the corner because Echo's coming out. And I suggest you do the same because I'm going to review it. I know it's going to be good because you you actually get character building with Echo. Like you get a whole backstory. It's a complicated because she's technically a villain. And they're going to lean into that the way they did with Loki this is going to be good storytelling. And so um, that's my thoughts on Echo. I'll review that. I also have some other episodes coming out. Um, some people I'm going to be interviewing that are artists as well and, and thinkers and stuff like that. So stay tuned. But that's my thoughts on Loki Season 2. Go watch it if you haven't. If you haven't watched any watches and I ruined it for you, shame on you. Should have watched it before listening to this. But anyway, thanks for um, watching this episode of the Partnerable Podcast. Uh, like and subscribe, comment, do all that stuff. You know the, you know the drill. And uh, I'll see you guys back here next time.